So with Apologia All Access, you're going to get Apologia TV. That's a 30-minute TV show. Then you're going to get behind the scenes of that TV show, what we call the Apologia After Show, where we just sit and chat with a guest without those pesky time restraints of network television. As an Apologia All Access member, you'll be the first to get exclusive videos sent right to your personal RSS feed. And of course, we've begun working on Apologia Academy, where we're going to have people teach you stuff, Bible stuff, apologetic stuff. For your homeschool kids. All this and a whole lot more with Apologia All Access. Go get it, guys. Only at ApologiaRadio.com. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Apologia TV. You guys can get more of our content, our shows, the after show. Everything is available at ApologiaRadio.com. A-P-O-L-O-G-I-A radio.com you can go there to be all access get even more content and more of the discussion of this particular show right there at apologiaradio.com that's the bear what up he's my sidekick <laughs> we go way back yeah yeah we don't like sidekick i, I don't know no that make you feel weird <laughs> a little bit yeah supposed to be equals you're my brosif thanks yeah and that's like, rebecca like batman and robin aren't really equals Necessarily. Oh, yeah. so we should think of some an, another thing to call you. Yeah, you're my boy. You're my boy, Blue. My, my dude. You're my boy, Blue. <laughs> <laughs> and that's Rebecca, the lady. Yeah, I have no beard. Yeah, no beard. She has spirit a spirit beard. beard. Yeah, you have a spirit beard because of your theology. It just yeah. brings it all out. Yeah. Okay, it's there. Um, <laughs> important things happening right now. Let me tell you. Um, in our current cultural context and even Christian cultural context, uh, we are faced uh, with a dilemma in many, many ways. And I think that that dilemma we face has a lot to do with um, what we believe about God, about spheres of sovereignty and government, God-ordained spheres of sovereignty and government. Uh, The Bible really does give you a blueprint for all of life. It really does give to us the foundations of life and society. Uh, God has a full orb picture of the world and society and justice. Uh, He's told us what justice is. He's told us about the role of the individual, of the family, of the church, of the state. And sadly, most modern uh, evangelicals in the West are ignorant of our history, ignorant of specific doctrines that Christians have held to uh, for for many, many years. Uh, Specifically today, we're going to talk about the doctrine of the lesser magistrates. And people are probably thinking, what in the world is that and why Mm -hmm. do I even care? That sounds so boring. Well, I think it's... Sobering? Yeah, yeah, it's should be sobering yes very sobering because it's because of a loss of these truths that we find ourselves in the situation that we are today as christians um trampled under the feet of men jesus says in matthew chapter 5 sermon on the mount he says you are the salt you are the light he says salt when it loses its savor it's good for nothing except to be trampled under the feet of men and that is the condition of the church in the west today being trampled under the feet of men uh what's the role of government what's the role of christians in government and to um get us into the discussion i'm going to show you a little clip here of something that happened this year um in kentucky where a county uh clerk uh did not issue uh marriage licenses to same-sex same-sex couples uh county county clerk uh kim davis uh defied the supreme court's ruling and, and actually went to jail 
ultimately mm. uh, because of her standing on biblical principles and uh, her unwillingness to um, break the law, <laughs> which is in Kentucky. Right. And that is that marriage is only defined as man, woman, and they will not recognize any other. But this is uh, the Kentucky clerk who is, um, uh, she was actually uh, confronted with a gay couple with the media. And this was her response when they came in. I just want you all to know that we are not issuing marriage license today, Why? pending um, court. What appeal is left? Pending the appeal in the Sixth Circuit. The appeal, appeal the stay has circuit? been denied. Mm-hmm. Right. The injunction so, is the order that you're supposed to issue marriage license. And we're not issuing marriage license today. The Supreme today. Court denied your stay. We are not issuing marriage license today. So Based I would, on what? I would ask you all to Why are you not issuing marriage licenses today? Because... Under Why? whose authority are you not issuing licenses? Under God's authority. I don't did believe God in your tell God. You to do this? Did God I don't tell believe you in your God. I don't believe like in your God. I asked you all to leave. You are interrupting my business. You can business. call the police if you want us to leave. You can call the police. I pay your salary. I pay your salary. So uh, that was the scene that took place. And how do we unpack that? Because that is just really a snapshot of uh, where we're at across the board in this nation. And we even have people who love Jesus and um, profess to believe in Christ that uh, would tell someone um, like this that she should just quit Mm -hmm. um, or she should um, just go ahead and sign the certificates. Yeah. Uh, And so to help us today... I have Matt Truella from DefyTyrants.com. Mm. I like that one. Glory. I do too. Or yeah. LesserMagistrate.com. He's going to be on today to help us uh, with the discussion of the doctrine of the Lesser Magistrate. Matt, thank you for joining us today. Good to be here with you, Jeff. That's a pleasure to have you. And Matt, you are also a pastor of a church. And uh, tell us about that. Well, I pastor Mercy Seat Christian Church. It's a church with about 175 people, people of all ages in it. And I'm a husband, and I'm a father. We have 11 kids, and we have 12 grandkids so far. Whoa! Whoa. 11 <laughs> kids! Praise God! That's that what I'm saying. Quiverful. All right, brother. Praise God. That's awesome. Amen. Um, amen. Okay. So, Matt, this is a significant issue, and uh, an issue that many Christians are completely and totally ignorant of. Uh, the doctrine of the lesser magistrates. Let me just ask you first and foremost, why in the world, Matt, are we talking about this? Because we have a lawless federal government. In fact, we have a lot of lawlessness at all levels of government. People recognize uh, the lawlessness that is taking place. Yes. And unfortunately, they're often left hand-wringing, thinking, well, there's nothing we can do. We have to obey the Supreme Court. We have to obey the federal government. And that's simply not true. And when they hear about the doctrine of the lesser magistrate, um, it resonates with them. Mm. Because what they find within the doctrine is goodness. Because it's founded in Scripture, and it's been proven successful down through history as it's been employed by men for thousands of years to reign in the tyranny of civil authority, and often to do so bloodlessly. Mm. Wow. Wow. This is a a heavy thing, because we're talking about... um, truths that are rooted in God's word, that there is actually a defined role Mm. uh, for the government that God defines. And I'm going to read you guys a text here, guys, before we go into the next segment. I'm going to read you the popular text that's often quoted in terms of the Christian's role toward government. 
It's in uh, Romans chapter 13. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. And interestingly, uh, this text is often used to actually say, well, she should have just obeyed the governing authority. They said do it, she should obey. Is that truly what the Christian response should be? We'll find out more from Matt when we come back. More with ApologiaRadio.com and the Doctrine of the Lesser Magistrate. Important stuff. Be right back. What's up, y'all? This is Jeff Durbin with Apologia Radio at ApologiaRadio.com. Want to talk to you guys about an amazing connection that we have right now with Whitfield Theological Seminary. I want you to run over to Whitfield.edu, Whitfield.edu, W-H-I-T-E-F-I-E-L-D.edu. I want you to check out the programs they have. They have undergraduate programs at Whitfield College, and they also have Whitfield Theological Seminary for the graduate degree and above and beyond. I, I think you'll really be impressed with the rigorous nature of the classes, the consistent biblical worldview taught and adhered to. I want you to contact Whitfield Theological Seminary at whitfield.edu. Get a hold of our friend, Dr. Kenneth Talbot, and start your classes today. ApologiaRadio.com. All right, we're back. Talking about the doctrine of the lesser magistrate. Someone's flipping through the channels right now, probably thinking... Okay, change the channel. Uh, no clue what that is. It's important. When you think about today, we're facing uh, Supreme Court declaring that uh, circles are squares, mm. uh, that uh, marriage is and can be between a man and a man, a woman and a woman, and now it's no longer a slippery slope. It is just going off the cliff. Mm-hmm. Now we have polygamy uh, uh, lawsuits happening now against states, and it's, it's just it's just it's all happening it has to because you've given up foundations right uh christians historically have had particular views on government in our context in america during the time of the colonies uh christians look to the government as under god's authority and we actually look to the bible yep we actually look to the bible to say what does god say about government so matt help us um Help us to get some footing here. I just quoted Romans 13, and Matt, you know, as well as I know, that's often quoted to say, Christian, you just obey the government. Mm. You just must submit to them. God says, submit to them. Uh, that's God. That's the role for them. You must submit. And I'll say quickly, and maybe this can launch into this discussion, what about the civil magistrates that say that um, girls should be gang raped because of a crime of their brother? Do we submit to that? Mm. Because that's what the authorities say. Yeah. Uh, how about in China where they tell people you must kill your baby if you have a certain gender right. or sex? Yeah. Well, you'd kill your baby. Yeah. Do we submit to that? You see, there seems to be an inconsistency there. So, Matt, help us with that. Romans 13 is the text. It's the go-to text where everyone says you must obey, Matt. Yeah, they're misinterpreting that. And I addressed that in my book and appendix because I knew it needed to be because you're exactly right. It's people appeal to and they conform and obey all that the government sets forth. And we should obey. But we should not obey when they make law or policy which 
contravenes the law or word of God, which contradicts it, opposes it. We obey God rather than man. That's been the standard of Christianity down through the centuries. The state commands that which God forbids or forbids that which God commands. We are to obey God rather than man. Right. And I show from Romans 13 in my little appendix there the simple fact that, first off, when you look at the text there in Romans 13, nowhere does it say that we're to give unlimited obedience to the civil government. Rather mm-hmm. than impose that upon the text, it's what we call eisegesis, where you read something into the text that isn't there. That's right. Secondly, you have the problem of um, the hallmark of good hermeneutics, which is Scripture interprets Scripture. Scripture with a big S interprets Scripture with a small S. In other words, when you're looking at a particular passage, Scripture with a small s, you have to look at it in the whole light of God's Word, Scripture with a big S. So Scripture with a big S, interpret Scripture with a small s. And when you look at the whole of God's Word, God's Word, you see many places where the people of God disobeyed the civil authorities, and God commended them for doing so. You have the story, of course, of the midwives right. who were told to kill the male Hebrew children. They did not. God blessed them and commended them for not obeying the civil government. You have the example of Daniel, where he wasn't told to do something evil, but he was told not to do something good. He was told he couldn't pray. Uh, he didn't sit around questioning. He went home, uh, went by the open window, yep. um, knelt down so nobody could mistake what he was doing. That's right. Three times to make sure he was mm. caught. <laughs> and, that's right. That's so right. this is the standard down to the ages. That's right. Mm. Is that when the state commands that which God forbids, it forbids that which God commands, we obey God rather than man. So this idea that Romans 13 is teaching unlimited obedience to the civil government is absurd just on the face of good biblical hermeneutics. In fact, Paul, who penned Romans 13, makes clear in 2 Corinthians 11 that he knew that the governor wanted to arrest him. And instead of submitting to the civil authorities and being arrested, he actually craftily fled by being let down on the side of a wall in a basket. So the scriptures are abundantly clear over and over again. The apostles said uh, we have to obey God rather than man. Clearly um, makes it clear over and over again that when civil authority makes law which impugns the law or word of God, the Christian has the duty to obey God rather than man. Mm, yes. Now when it comes to the duty as a lesser magistrate, here's what the doctrine is. It's real simple. All it is is that when the higher-ranking civil authority makes unjust or immoral laws, policies, or court opinions, the lower or lesser-ranking civil authority has both the right and the duty not to obey the higher authority, and if necessary, to actively resist them. Okay. So we don't have to sit around and hand-wring. This is something that should be done in a true federalism, which is the basis upon which our nation was founded. Mm Mm-hmm. Everybody understood that all positions of civil authority possessed power, possessed lawful authority. Therefore, if any branch of government began to play the tyrant, it was, com- it was incumbent more than ever upon all other branches, whether federal, state, county, or local, to more than ever uphold the Constitution and oppose that branch of government that decides to play the tyrant, mm. even if that happens to be the U.S. Supreme Court. Yes. And what's been hit behind here, Jeff, is this whole fiction that the Supremacy Clause states plainly that we have to submit to the rulings of the U.S. Supreme Court and federal courts. That is an absolute fiction. Yes. It does not say that. Okay. When you read Article 6, Paragraph 2, which is the Supremacy Clause, it makes clear that, first off, the Supreme Court 
or any federal court isn't even mentioned in the clause. And what has supremacy is the Constitution mm-hmm. itself and all laws or treaties made in accordance therewith. Mm-hmm. So any other magistrate, when one uh, in, makes decisions repugnant to the Constitution, all the other magistrates have the duty to oppose that branch of government and try to rein in their unlawful, unconstitutional action. So in the case of the Kentucky clerk, Kim Davis, um, we spoke about this on Apologia Radio. Mm-hmm. In the case of the Kim Davis, uh, Kim is saying she's, and, and I know really nothing about Kim's personal beliefs, and so this is really not about that. It has to do with just the role of government. She's saying she's standing on the first principle, God and his word. God says marriage is defined as this, so I don't want to sin, and I don't want to make the county uh, sin uh, by, by advocating for this or signing off on this. So first and foremost, she's standing on God. Um, but then second to that, the, the, Kentucky, uh, the, state, the state of Kentucky actually had a, a, a marriage amendment in their constitution saying that they would not recognize any other marriage except between man and a woman. And so those two principles there, with, with what you're saying about the doctrine of lesser magistrates, was she doing her job? Yes, absolutely. What she's doing is upholding the law. She's refusing to go along with the fiction that a court opinion by the Supreme Court has to be obeyed. Mm-hmm. The magistrates across the nation didn't take a oath to uphold constitutional rulings by the Supreme Court. They took a oath to uphold the Constitution itself. Right. That's Amen. Right. This That's ruling right. is clearly outside the constitutional restraints of the federal government. And therefore, all other magistrates at all levels should oppose it. Now, one of the caveats, first off, let me say, Kim and these other clerks need to be commended because, yeah, magistrates who are willing to defy the federal beast and not pay homage to them are far and few between. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's and true. there's no doubt that they're basing their position on their fealty to Christ. Yeah. But at the same time, they've been taking some bad advice from politicians and lawyers. It's important to understand, Jeff, that... They're not only not issuing marriage licenses to homosexuals, but they're not issuing them to heterosexuals either. Mm -hmm. And the reason is is they want to assure the federal courts that their intent is not to discriminate against homosexuals. And what's even more troubling is that the stated goal of those in leadership there in Kentucky and of these clerks is to create a 121st county clerk. They have 120 in the state. They want to create 121st who will issue the licenses from the Capitol in Frankfurt. And this would be done so that the clerks would not have to put their hand to being a part of the process, which they have a religious disagreement. Yeah. In other words, the clerks do not want to have to lay their hand in this great evil by issuing the marriage licenses, but then they're promoting a change in state law so that people can still do the evil. Right. It's not through them. It's not through them. And that's not true in their position. Hmm. True interposition understands that they have a duty in the sight of God to protect those under their jurisdiction, not just reform the law to protect themselves. Yes. And more importantly than that, the interposition of a lesser magistrate abates the just judgment of God. Yes. Anyone who doubts that can simply go to Ezekiel chapter 22, verses 27 through 31. And God makes it clear that it's the primary verse on interposition within Scripture, one of Hey, Kim, Matt, I want you to hang on to that because we're going into the break and I want everyone to hear this and, and, and you not get cut off. So we're going to be right back, guys, to show you what God says about interposition. What's the primary responsibility in a case like this to those who love God and want Him glorified in their lives and culture? Be right back. Apologia Radio. 
Hi, I'm Les. And I'm Tanner. And we're the hosts of the Reformed Pubcast. A weekly podcast where two friends get together and talk about the things that they love. It's like all those times you talked about theology over a pint of beer with your friends, but we're just dumb enough to record it. It's the theology of Calvin and the thirst of Luther. Join in on the conversation by subscribing on iTunes or your favorite podcast catcher. It's the Reformed Pubcast. So this is big, right? Interposition. The lesser magistrate. Concepts that many of us don't have a clue about. And we're finding out that God in His Word actually has specific examples of how He expects us to operate as the people of God within a culture that God tells us, what are you supposed to do when there's a wicked decree from a king Mm -hmm. or from the Supreme Court? What are you supposed to do? And and Matt, you mentioned that in Ezekiel, I want you to bring us to that text. In Ezekiel, we have a specific example of what God says about interposition and what's the specific role of somebody when these unrighteous things are happening in a culture. What are we supposed to do to not bring the judgment of God upon our nation? Yeah, in Ezekiel 22, God makes it clear that someone is to stand in the gap before him and oppose the wickedness that has been decreed. So when the higher authority decides to rebel against God, the lesser authority is not to join them in their rebellion. Rather, their God-given duty is to oppose them in their rebellion and to honor God rather than man. That's the duty of the lesser magistrate. Now, when the higher authority makes unjust, evil laws, like the slaughter of the preborn, like what's happening here with marriage and other matters. Yes. Um, they bring God's wrath upon a nation. Mm. They bring his righteous judgment upon a nation. And what's important to note is that the interposition of the lesser magistrate can actually abate the just judgment and wrath of God upon a nation when they refuse to go along with the higher authorities' rebellion against him. Yes. So that's an incredibly important part to this doctrine, one which John Knox, who probably wrote the most uh, wonderful treatise on the Lesser Magistrate Doctrine ever in his appellation to the nobles of Scotland in Mm. 1558, he cited over 70 passages of Scripture in establishing the doctrine. Wow. That's amazing. The doctrine itself was actually not declared a doctrine until 1550 when uh, ministers in Magdeburg, Germany, I wrote what's known as the Magdeburg Confession, which we've just made available for the first time since it was written over 460 years ago in English. Mm. And people can go again to defytyrants.com uh, to get that work also. And um, But the doctrine itself was practiced for thousands of years. You see it within the Old Testament. You see it throughout uh, Christian history. You even see it in pagan nations. Okay. Um, and Calvin even appealed to some examples of pagan nations in regards to the doctrine of the lesser magistrate. Okay. Um, so this is an important doctrine that has been forgotten in the status culture in which we live and the putrid pulpits which inhabit America, which, you know, want to believe that our Christianity just involves this little sliver of life rather than speaking right. to all areas of life. Right. Yeah, that's right. So um, now people are beginning to realize yeah, if you just sit by and abandon the civil realm, guess what? The void is going to be filled by wicked men, and they're going to impose their worldview on everyone else through law. There is no neutrality. 
that's what people need to understand. That's exactly right. No neutrality, something we herald a lot on this uh, show, Matt. And Matt, we have a, this is a short segment here. We're going to be talking more about this in the coming weeks, and we want to have you on as much as we possibly can in the future just to get more uh, details in this discussion. Can you give us a quick example of, of, of something in history where um, Christians were holding to this doctrine and it was actually applied? Is there anything in our history we can look to and point to as, as there's an example of that taking place? Oh, yeah. Well, you can look to the Magna Carta. Those were Christian men who gathered on the field of Runnymede. And when you read hmm. Magna Carta, you see that the majority of it had to do with their Christian faith. And so this hallmark of liberty throughout Western civilization was actually... Christian document made by Christian men, showing once again that Christianity breeds liberty within mm. nations. Amen. That's right. And um, it's absolutely right. Even even you had to admit that, as much as he despised Christianity, he mm-hmm. had to admit that the whole of England owed all of their liberties uh, to the Puritans uh, and yep. from what they established in, in their nation there. That's um, exactly right. Um, so the Magna Carta itself, the only reason... King John submitted to the nobles was the fact that they gathered together as lesser magistrates in their day, and with their combined swords, he submitted to them and signed that document, a document huh. which is still in bronze over in our state capital, our nation's capital in Washington, D.C., but people pay very little attention to. Now, let me tell you, application of this doctrine is growing, and we keep a running blog at defytyrants.com on it. Just a couple weeks ago, for example, Jeff, there was a um, veteran, 70 years old, military veteran. The federal government wanted to come and seize his guns. They said he was no longer financially responsible to own them. That's what they said. (laughs) That's amazing. Word got out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And word got out about this. And the sheriff and two state representatives, along with about 100 people, showed up out his outside his house to defy the Fed. Right, on. And the Fed wow. came, and they, and they left and said, well, we'll take care of this on another day. <laughs> and so that's still being... Um, but my point is, just two months before this took place in Idaho, I spoke in Idaho, and one of those two state representatives was there at my teaching on the Doctrine of Lesser Magistrate. And here's the state representative huh. making huh. the application less than two months later on behalf Way of the military. That's very... And, and, and look, there's a preservation of life there and it's a protection of a victim is really what it is and we can't talk as christians about we cannot we simply cannot repeat the mantra just we just need to love our neighbors just love our neighbors and not really put flesh on that because you see the law of god is about loving your neighbor love for god love for neighbor and then the law of god comes out of love for god love for neighbor so if you truly want to love your neighbor well then you're going to protect them from tyrants you're going to stand up uh, and stand in the gap like matt said when when you know people are coming against them um that's what you have to do that's Mm. real love for neighbor so i think it's important for us to say to people who say it's just about loving neighbor i think you should as you say that's a meaningless thing Mm. it's a meaningless statement if you're not going to have biblical principles that you actually stand on to tell me what does it mean to love my neighbor and one of the ways you love your neighbor is through interposition it's the doctrine of lesser magistrates that has to be there to make sense of the world that we actually live in um matt uh again short short show but matt we want to get you on again of course and and do more we're going to have more content at apologiaradio.com people can get more from you but matt very quickly where can people go to get materials from you resources from you to study this more defytyrants.com 
if they go there, we have a lot of great articles. Look in the right hand for featured articles on the right side of the screen. Um, the books, the Magdeburg Confession and Mind on the Lesser Magistrate is available. And also many good articles listed down through the blog as you go through there, um, giving practical application of this doctrine in our day. Fantastic, Matt. Thanks for blessing us with your presence on the show today. Look forward to speaking with you again. Hey, thanks so much. Absolutely. That's Rebecca the Lady. Hey, hey. Luke the Bear. <laughs> Peace out. This has been Jeff and Apologia TV. Get us at ApologiaRadio.com. Hi, this is Waterman with Apologia Radio. I want to ask for y'all good friends of ours to go on and click that button there and become my friends on the book face. Facebook backslash Apologia Radio. Become my friend on YouTube. That there uh, twerker. The twerker. I want to I want to talk to you on the twerking. And send me out a twerk. What? Wait, what? Twitter. Apologia Radio on Twitter. I also want to tell you we talk about apologetics and theology and we do a lot of swing dancing and we make a delicious chicken gravy. ApologiaRadio.com All right. Welcome back. Apologia TV. What a moment for us as a church. Let me say that. What a moment for us. It's a moment of great correction. Uh, it's a moment of stirring. I think it's a moment where God does purge his people. And uh, I think this is one of those fantastic times where um, in the midst of great difficulty and pain, trials, God sanctifies his people. He changes us. He shapes us and he corrects our thinking. The Bible talks to us about uh, being renewed in our minds. And, and Jesus gives us the standard in John seventeen seventeen. Jesus says, Father, sanctify them by your truth. Thy word is truth. And so his word is the standard, not our opinions, not our traditions, not our preferences. God's word is the standard. And we're in an interesting moment right now as a church where we're having to ask deep questions. Uh, questions that really Christians a couple hundred years ago had already thought through and thought through long and hard and had thought through with the scriptures, doing exegesis, looking at the text of God's word. You see, it's really interesting. The Bible actually gives to us a full-orbed worldview. It gives us a picture of what God intends for the individual, for the family, for the church, for the state, uh, the delegated roles and authority that God gives to each of those institutions. And it's really interesting because today it seems as if uh, Christians are under the uh, belief that uh, it's really just about the gospel of nice. <laughs> you know, that's just what God calls yeah. us to. It's just, you know, yeah, it's funny. about just being nice people. That's yeah. what our role in the world is. Mm. When you're yeah. early in the scriptures, you see something entirely different. You see Jesus actually as ascends, as he ascends, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, he says, all authority. Let me say that again, in case maybe you were turning your head away from the screen or <laughs> something, and you miss it, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, because it's been given to him, go. Make disciples of all nations, not just individuals, but the nations, and uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to what? Obey. Observe all that I've commanded you. So this seems as if we've missed that. In this moment we're in right now, uh, we had um, recently an issue where Kim Davis 
County clerk in Kentucky um, defied the activist judge's opinion regarding calling circles squares. Uh, the uh, activists in the Supreme Court um, waved the wand and said they believe that gay marriage should be a thing. And this county clerk, Kim Davis, uh, was following not only the laws of God, which trump the laws of man always, but she was following the law in the state of Kentucky, voted by a majority of Kentucky citizens. The sovereign state of Kentucky said that marriage is only between one man and one woman and nothing else will be recognized. And so Kim Davis, this lesser magistrate, was guarding herself from sin. Mm-hmm and the people of Kentucky behind her by upholding the law of God and, I must say it, the law in the state of Kentucky in defiance to the tyrants in the Supreme Court. Let me mention this. That is Pastor Luke Pearson. We call him the bear. Yes, that is me. Yeah. And uh, over here is Rebecca the Lady. I am. And this is Apologia Radio. You guys can get more at ApologiaRadio.com. If you're not all access, get on that. It's actually Apologia TV. That's right. That's what we are doing today, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I get, you I get look a different than the last segment, too. Well, I do. I do. A change, maybe. Yeah. You the cold? Benef- benefit you of that. Sweater on? The benefit of having your own studio is you can do whatever. Okay. Um, <laughs> but uh, Apologia TV and Apologia After Show, Apologia on the Couch, Apologia Academy is available at ApologiaRadio.com. Um, and uh, let's get to it. We did a show with Math, Matt Truella from DefyTyrants.com. Uh, it was a 30-minute television program. This is our after show. We're going to talk about some more stuff. Yes, sir. We're going to do some more. A little bit. A little bit. A little skosh. A little skosh. Just a bit. All right, Matt. Welcome back to Apologia TV, brother. Good to be here with you, Jeff. Thank you, sir. Okay, so let, we have a lot to do, so let's dive right in. Uh, we got to make sure that we're faithful with the Word of God. we got to make sure that we are, can faithfully represent what the Word of God says regarding roles of government and uh, defying tyrants, uh, standing up and rising up against people who would decree uh, wicked decrees. And uh, let's start, just for those that are hearing this for the first time, Matt, let's start at the premier passage, because it needs to be unpacked. The premier passage that is being quoted uh, by people with regards to the Kim Davis situation, and it is Romans 13. And in Romans 13, we have the classic statement by the Apostle Paul um, about submitting to our governing authorities. Now, if I can start, Matt, real fast, I want to say this to those that are listening. Uh, In Romans chapter 12, you have specific charges made to the Christians. And it's really important to see the distinction the Bible makes in roles and spheres of authority. In Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 9, the Apostle Paul says, Let love be without hypocrisy, let it be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast that which is good. So all these wonderful things that the Lord gives to us as a church, as individuals. But I want to point something out. It says very, very clearly in verse 14, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Now watch this. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil. Did you hear that? Repay no one evil for evil. In verse 19, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, 
I will repay, says the Lord. So I want to say, as we get Matt to talk to us about Romans 13, that Romans 12 is specifically to the church, the people of God, and it's about us not avenging ourselves, leaving it to the vengeance of God. And you may ask yourself, but, but wait a minute, what happens when there is an issue of injustice? Do we do nothing? Does God have no provision for victims? I want to say, read the next chapter. The vengeance and the, the, the sword of justice is delegated by authority to the state. Matt, can you talk to us about Romans 13? Yeah, you're exactly right, Jeff. This is the premier passage that many Christians use to hide behind this idea that um, they shouldn't intervene when the magistrates do something unlawful or immoral or unjust. That we should just always obey them, and that is... What they use Romans 13 to proffer is the idea that we should give unlimited obedience to the civil government or we should give unlimited obedience except if they tell us that um, we can't preach. Or another one I've heard is we should give unlimited obedience plus that we have to personally sin. And um, yeah, we shouldn't obey them if they tell us we can't preach, but there's a host of other reasons and situations revealed in scripture where the people of God didn't obey the civil magistrates, um, besides simply being told they couldn't preach. Right, right. And as far as personal sin goes, um, that's not the standard. The standard for Christianity down through the ages has been that whenever the state commands that which God forbids, or forbids that which God commands, we are to obey God rather than man. This whole idea of we always obey unless we have to personally sin is rooted in pietism, mm-hmm. which has infected Chris West. And um, to, re- to rebuff that whole idea, it's very simple. I mean, you could just look at the Christians during slavery times in our country. No one told them they had to own a slave. No one told them they had to abuse a slave, but they still took action on behalf of their neighbor in need. No one told Corey Temboom that she had to imprison Jews no one told her that she had to abuse Jews, but yet she took it upon herself to act on behalf of her neighbor in need. So this idea that we should always obey the civil government, no matter what, unless they tell us we can't preach, or we personally sin, is wrong. Mm-hmm. Unlimited obedience to the civil government is not taught in Romans 13. And there's three things I point out just from the text itself. Nowhere does it say that we're to give unlimited obedience to the civil government Rather, that's something that men impose on the text, something they read into the text. It's what we call eisegesis, where you're Mm. reading into the text something that isn't there. And I just encourage everyone, read the passage. Nowhere does it say we're to give unlimited obedience to the civil government. So that's the first point. The second point is um, it rebuffs good biblical hermeneutics, this idea that we're always to obey the civil government, because there's many other passages in the Word of God where the people of God don't obey the civil authorities, and God rewards and blesses them for doing so. Right. So this is an important aspect of hermeneutics to understand. Scripture, with the big S, interprets Scripture with the small s. Scripture interprets Scripture. In other words, when you're looking at a particular verse, Scripture with a small s, you have to look at it whole, in the light of the whole of God's Word, Scripture with a big S. Scripture interprets Scripture. That's right. Very important. And so, for instance, the Hebrew midwives, 
we see that they were told by the civil authorities to kill the male Hebrew children. They refuse to do so. God blesses them for it. Uh, Daniel is told he can't pray. He prays anyway. Make sure that everybody can see. He goes right in front of his window. Does it three times to make sure that he's caught. That's right. And so no one could mistake what he was doing. He knelt down and bowed down. So, okay, so again, to pick up on what you're saying here, the hallmark Christians are to hold on to, if the state forbids that which God commands or commands that which God forbids, we are to resist. And Romans 13 does not teach in any way unlimited, complete and blind submission to the state, um, even when they're violating God's law. I, I, w- I would point to this, Matt, in that in Romans chapter 13, it says, after telling Christians not to take personal vengeance upon anybody, it says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. So this is an appointment by God. And those who resist will incur judgment, for rulers are not a terror to, listen, good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. This is, the, this is right here the clincher for me, right here. This is... Um, I think one of the most important parts of the passage that gets missed, for he is God's servant. The word there is the same word for deacon. He is God's deacon. He is God's servant for your good. Mm. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword, that's the sword of justice, in vain. Now listen closely, and it is important, for he is the servant of God. So this, far from being blind obedience to just any government, it says that the person that bears a sword here is God's servant and avenger, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoers. So it's really important, I think, it's, we have to ask the question, whose servant is the magistrate? God's servant. And by what standard does God want that civil magistrate to, to bear that sword? We can say, of course, that this means that God is perfectly okay with people who are worshiping other gods, employing um, unjust laws, that he's perfectly okay with them doing so hmm. and executing unrighteous decrees and justice. It says that the civil magistrate is God's servant and that he bears the sword and that he doesn't do it in vain and he's the avenger of God's wrath, not some other God's wrath, God's wrath. So I, I think that what people often get mixed up here, Matt, maybe you can tell me what you think, is that they're, they're mixing up the passage in that they're calling this passage descriptive when in reality it's clearly prescriptive. This is God's ordained role for this realm of authority. And it's clearly not descriptive because Rome cut off Paul's head. That is absolutely correct, and that's an important distinction, and I'm glad you, you made it. It is prescriptive. And what you pointed out about the um, magistrates being God's servants means that they're supposed to govern according to his rule. And this is something Christianity has totally lost sight of. And the other thing that I find amazing about this, Jeff, is that when it comes to the three institutional governments that God's established in the earth, family government, church government, and civil government, It's only when it comes to civil government that people have this idea that you're always supposed to obey. And that's pretty amazing when you look at the passages themselves in Scripture. Right, right. For instance, when you look at Colossians chapter, when you look at Colossians chapter 3, where it tells 
Paul tells children to obey their parents. There's no limitation clauses. It's just straight out, children, obey your parents. Yet, everybody understands that if a father told his son to go up to the corner and rob the gas station, because if he gets caught, if he gets caught, all he's going to get is a little bit of time in juvie. But if dad doesn't get caught, he's going to prison for years. Everyone would understand that child has no duty to obey his father. That's right. As mm-hmm. the head of family government. Even though and, the um, text has no qualifications yeah. about obey your parents. Exactly. Yeah. And when you look at um, church government also, you look at Hebrews chapter 13. Um, in Hebrews 13, Paul, or the writer of the Hebrews, simply makes clear that they're to obey those who have, um, you know, guard over their souls. That's right. There is no limitation clauses. There is no qualification. It's just you obey no matter what. Yet everyone would agree that if the pastor was stealing money out of the offering plate and a parishioner found out about it, that, um, and the pastor said, don't tell the elders. No one would fault the congregant for telling the elders anyway. Yeah. <laughs> that the pastor's yeah. stealing money, I think. But right. yet, when it comes to civil government, there's this idea amongst Christians that everybody's supposed to obey all the time, even though in Romans 13, there clearly are limitation clauses. There clearly are qualifiers that they are to reward those who do good, punish those who do evil. That's right. And so I've always found this amazing why this difference. And let's point this out, too. Paul himself, who penned Romans 13, in 2 Corinthians 11, recalls a situation where he knew the governor himself wanted him arrested. Rather than submit to the governor and go turn himself in, he rather craftily fled by being let down the side of a wall in a basket. So this whole idea that we are to give unlimited obedience to civil government based on Romans 13 simply is false. So in other words, for the brother or sister who would say that Romans 13 is just submission at all times to the government, um, the person who says that is not actually in agreement with Paul's interpretation of his own words. Because in very practice, the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 30 and onward, he was actually evading um, a king um, and a, go- a governor under the king uh, who was looking to seize him. And if, if we want to be consistent as Christians with how we interpret passages, if we're going to rip this passage out of its context as a whole, um, in its immediate context and in its entire context in the Bible, if we're going to do that, we need to run consistent with it and say, okay, well, if we're going to say that that's what Paul is actually teaching, then Paul is violating his own teaching here because what he should have done is just submit to the government and get arrested. Yeah. Exactly. Another example, obviously, premier example would be in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 5. This is a famous one, of course, um, needs to be brought up. Uh, Verse 27, and when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. We must obey God rather than men. Rejecting a specific charge 
to not do something, they say we obey God rather than men. So, so I think, Matt, it's important for us to point out that the apostles did not share in this very bootleg interpretation of Romans 13, and praise be to God that the founding fathers and Christians in this nation did not share that bootleg interpretation mm-hmm. of Romans 13 either. Absolutely. And there's many more passages. You look at Hebrews 11, you know, the Hall of Fame of Faith talks about Moses' parents, how they did not fear the king, but rather feared God. And so they didn't follow the king's command and instead um, hid their son, Moses. And that's right in the Hall of Fame of Faith. So there's many, many passages, both in Old and New Testament, um, some of which, of course, we haven't mentioned, that make it clear that when the state commands that which God forbids or forbids that which God commands, the Christian, their duty is to obey God rather than man. Exactly, exactly. And it's important to point out, I think, as well, that the Apostle Paul, when he actually is um, before the civil magistrate, um, he does something interesting that I think needs to be pointed out. You have an instance in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 by Paul in his own words about how he actually defied well, the, the governing authorities of the time um, in, in contradiction to the basic interpretation saying Romans 13 is unlimited obedience to the state. But in Acts chapter 24, the Apostle Paul actually says that if I've done anything worthy of death, I'm fine to die. Now, this is interesting because the charges being brought against him in the book of Acts there early on that led up to that were specific Jewish charges about violating the law. And it's interesting here that in the one case, you have the Apostle Paul saying basically to the civil magistrate, I will not obey. You're not acting as God's servant right now. And he's fleeing. And in another case, he's actually announcing before a court, no, if I have violated God's law, then I'm fine to die. So for the Apostle Paul, what will he submit to? God's law. And what will he say is acceptable to him is if, I, if I've done anything worthy of the death penalty, I'm fine to die mm. if you can show me that. But right. on the other hand, you have an unrighteous decree being given where he's actually resisting that. So for the apostles, always it's God's law trumps man's law each and every time. Amen. By the way, I spoke out in... Uh in um, Kentucky on Saturday, oh, a rally held outside the jail where Kim Davis was being held. I'm jealous. I have to and, confess. Uh, yes. A little and jealous. <laughs> I didn't do real well. I was tired and under the weather and all that. But you know how it's always amazing how God uses you, even in your weakness, yes. in your frailty. Yes. I've always been astounded by that. And um, so I was like all bummed out after it was over. I didn't feel like I did well and didn't do good and all that kind of stuff and yet the press picked up on that very statement i made that for 1500 years the object of standard whereby men and governments and men were judged was the law of god and then they gave that exact quote also praise praise god wow that's awesome human laws every time i was like that makes me feel wonderful amen that's right (laughs) that's That's right went out in so many Media's across the country. That's incredible, and you had some you had some pretty important uh, political figures actually uh, get your book and read it as well, which is really good. Yes, yes, yeah. praise and God. The doctrine is absolutely spreading everywhere, and I believe the reason it's growing so quickly, um, Jeff, is because people see the goodness in it. Yes. Yeah, see that it's founded in Scripture, 
and that it's a tool that's been proven successful down through history to rein in the tyranny of the higher civil authority and to often do it bloodlessly. Yes. So yes. people realize they don't just have to stand by and hand ring or wait for the next presidential mm. candidate to put in the next Supreme Court justices and all that nonsense, because we all know where that's gone all these years. Mm-hmm. Every yeah. four years, the GOP plays the Christian people and says, you know, mm-hmm. you got to vote for our presidential candidate, because if you <laughs> don't, the Democrats are going to appoint the Supreme Court justices and Roe v. Wade won't be overturned. Well, mm-hmm. the reality is, is that when Roe v. Wade was ruled on, six of the nine justices were Republican appointed. That's right. And for the next 40 years after that, the Republicans um, had the majority appointed justices either seven to two or eight to one wow. for 40 years. And yet we still have the killing of the pre-born in this nation. Wow. People who continue to look for a federal solution to our nation's ills are deluding themselves. That's right. The federal government is the problem. It's their judiciary. The federal judiciary is particularly lawless at this point. In fact, Rasmussen did a poll just before the Obergefell decision where um, they found that 34% of Americans now believe it's time for the states to openly defy the federal judiciary. That was a 9% increase Mm. just in the four months of the polling earlier, and that was before Obergefell. I can tell you it's higher now. 34% is massive. The federal judiciary, by their lawlessness, has lost all credibility with many Americans, myself included, and their loss of credibility continues to grow as they continue in their lawlessness. That's right. And so this doctrine of the lesser magistrate is massively important because it shows people you don't just have to hand ring, you don't have to be played by the pro-life, pro-family groups, or the GOP like you've been played for decades. No, there is a means whereby we can rein in this tyranny. And what it does is it takes away the lie of these lesser magistrates. And the lie they hide behind is a federal court is ruled, so we must simply obey. There's nothing else we can do. It's a lie. It's a fiction that the Supreme Court itself created based on the Supremacy Clause. Wait, hang on right there. This this is an important one. Hang on, Matt. This is a big one, significant, absolutely necessary for us to know. So we're going to take a quick pause, a little break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about the Supremacy Clause. We're going to talk about what role and what authority does the Supreme Court have because this is another clincher when it comes to how the argument begins to expand, people cannot answer the biblical arguments, and so then they move on to these types of arguments, and they get it wrong over there as well. So that's what we need to touch on. Be right back, guys. Matt Truella, amazing. What a blessing. Luke the Bear. That's a lady. I am. All right. We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, beauties and beasts, I have some good news for you. But in order for me to tell you the good news, I must share with you the bad. A beard can be a most magnificent thing, but it can also be the downfall of a man. An unmaintained beard prevents a face from shining. An unmaintained beard causes dry, itchy skin. An unmaintained beard is a source of beardruff. You know, like dandruff, but beardruff. An unmaintained beard is sharp and ruthless, like iron bristles, not good for the lady friend. An unmaintained beard forfeits future growth based on the lack of preparation today. And let's not forget that an unmaintained beard robs your face from smelling 
feeling amazing. Let not thy beard be thy downfall. Protect your manlyhood. An epic combination of manliness and manhood. If you are hearing this today, there is hope for your beard. Go to youcosbeard.com and enter the code APOLOGIA and you can save some money while you save your face. So we've been talking a lot about the Kentucky clerk, Kim Davis, who now, as of the recording of this show, has just been released uh, from jail. She was kidnapped by this federal judge, this activist judge. And according to the law of God, uh, the penalty for kidnapping uh, is uh, capital punishment. It's interesting that God seems to value human life uh, more yeah, than, uh, than the laws of man. People say, how could you say that? It's, this capi- it's capital punishment. Well, how do we treat rapists in our culture? Well, rapists can rape a woman and be out in six months, two years, four years, five years, ten years. Right. Child molesters can do the same, be out in ten years, fifteen years, back at it again. You can murder uh, one or two people and maybe even see the light of day again after uh, the communities around pay for you, your three hots in a cot, and medical um, and uh, medical uh, benefits and even maybe a sex change yep. um, for your entire time in. Uh, but God actually values human life so much that he says that if you rape a woman, you get the death penalty. If you take the life of one person, then you, you forfeited the right to live. And interestingly, he says that if you kidnap another human being, you get the death penalty for that. It's really interesting because I, I get the, um, the Slammer little magazine, you know, and, oh, yeah, and know. Uh, shows all the Maricopa arrests. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm a fiend with it, you know, because I, yeah. usually, I usually know people in there. Right. And um, uh, and when I look at it, I've, I've seen numerous times uh, kidnapping, 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 kidnapping. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, wow, you know, uh, how, how, how do we value life here? Well, this uh, federal judge kidnapped um, Kentucky clerk uh, Kim Davis. Uh, she obeyed the laws of Kentucky. She obeyed the laws of God. She violated no law. She upheld the law and she was kidnapped caged like an animal as an image bearer of God. God's law says that, um, in this case, that federal judge should receive capital punishment. That's just the law of God. That's what his standards are. He does not change. Um, The coming of Christ does not change the fact that God cares about justice and victims. Believe me. Um, Okay, so the Kentucky clerk here defies the Supreme Court. I want to go ahead and play that now if you haven't seen it yet. This was uh, all the hubbub, these uh, homosexual... Uh, advocates and a- activists came in to get a marriage license in the state of Kentucky, which um, by majority vote voted that uh, marriage is only between one man and one woman. This lesser magistrate was standing in the way of the Kentucky citizens trying to uphold the law, and this was the scene. We are not issuing marriage licenses today. So Based I would, on what? I would ask you all Why to are you not issuing marriage and... licenses today? Because I'm not. Under Why? whose authority? Boom, right there. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Sold. Yeah. <laughs> That's under God's authority, first and foremost, because divine laws are the foundation. God's law is the foundation, mm-hmm. has been the foundation of our society. And we need to pay attention to that. But here's what, what happened next. I don't Did believe God tell God. you to do this? Did God tell you to treat us? I don't believe like this. I've asked you all to leave. You are interrupting. You can call the police if you want us to leave. You can call the police. I pay your salary. I pay your salary. I pay you to discriminate against me right now. That's what I'm paying for. That's what I'm paying for. I'm paying for this memory with my partner that I love that I've been with for 17 years. What's the longest you've been with someone that you've been married to someone? I'm asking you to leave. I'm not leaving. 
And what's also the important here is her graciousness. Yeah. yeah. She is so kind and she's sweet and she's she's not hostile. They're hostile. Yeah. And uh, this this was the scene. This was the scene. And she, you know, really respectfully tells them if she wants them, if they want to stay, they can go ahead and stay, but they need to back up. Um, and uh, let's let's talk about this now because we get in, it gets into the next part of the discussion, Matt, and that's you talk about the supremacy clause because there is you can it's unassailable. The biblical argument for the doctrine of lesser magistrates is unassailable, uh, and people then go into the supremacy clause, and the Supreme Court has the right to make this law. They made a law uh, that uh, gay marriage is now a thing, and we need to talk about that. Is it true that the Supreme Court made a law, Matt? No, it's absolutely patently false. Uh, the courts can't make laws. Um, Article 1, Section 1 of our U.S. Constitution declares that all legislative power resides within Congress. That's right. So if all of the power for making laws resides with Congress, that means the Supreme Court has zero lawmaking ability. And what they've done is the Supreme Court, in a decision long ago, decided that they themselves would become the final arbiter of law here in America. And they based it upon Article 6, Paragraph 2 of the U.S. Constitution, which is referred to as the Supremacy Clause. But if you simply go to the U.S. Constitution and look at Article 6, Paragraph 2, you're stunned to realize that the Supreme Court isn't mentioned anywhere in there, nor are federal courts themselves mentioned anywhere in there. And what has the Supremacy is the Constitution itself and all laws and treaties made in accordance with That's right. So this is an important thing um, to understand. That's right. So, so, so let's, let's reiterate it, Matt. Let's, let's reiterate it. The Supremacy Clause does not give to the Supreme Court or any federal court the power that people have had the perception that it does. It actually gives that power to the to the mm-hmm. Constitution itself. Right. That's exactly right. And see, each magistrate in this country, regardless of what you know realm they're in—federal, state, local, or county—they take an oath to uphold the Constitution. They don't take an oath to uphold subservience to the federal government. They take an oath to the Constitution itself. So when any branch of government, including the Supreme Court or the judiciary, begins to play the tyrant and make court opinions repugnant to the Constitution itself, that's when it becomes more incumbent than ever upon all other magistrates, whether federal, state, county, or local, to uphold the Constitution more than ever by resisting and opposing that branch which has decided to play the tyrant even if it's the U.S. Supreme Court itself. So, so can I yeah, ask an you... An example of this... Okay. Our, I, I could share an example of this in our own state's history... Please do. Um, ...regarding this matter. And that's the case of Joshua Glover, who was a runaway slave. And he um, was arrested by federal marshals in Racine, Wisconsin, brought up here to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where I live. This is 1852. Hmm. And uh, he... Um, abolitionists found out about it and so this newspaper publisher named Sherman Booth he decides to um, make a flyer and he rides up and down the streets of Milwaukee on his horse in downtown Milwaukee 
yelling at the top of his lungs, a man's liberty is at stake. Hmm. Rally at the courthouse at 2 p.m. Well, even to his own shock, over 5,000 people wow. show up wow. at the county courthouse. They end up breaking him out of jail. Um, Joshua Glover, the runaway slave, goes to the Underground Railroad for two weeks, gets on a boat in the Port of Racine, and makes it to Canada and dies of old age 26 years later. Wow. Well, the federal government was picked off because, you know, yeah, the slave got away. So they wanted to get somebody, so they went after uh, Sherman Booth. And they decided to charge him under the Federal Fugitive Slave Act. And um, our Supreme Court and our uh, Wisconsin legislature actually defied the federal government and the U.S. Supreme Court and declared the Federal Fugitive Slave Act to be null, Hmm. void, and of no force. Wow. And they actually interposed on Sherman Booth's behalf for four years before federal marshals were able to arrest him. Wow. And uh, in fact, in 1859, and this is is interposition. Yes, it is. Interposition of the lesser magistrate against the tyrant higher civil authority. Yes. And here was practice within our own state back in 1859. Wow. Incredible. So let me just ask you just straight away, let me be blunt about it. Uh, Matt, did Kim Davis violate any law? She violated no law. And, and that's the whole thing. There is no federal law that says a man and a man and a woman and a woman can marry. But wait, but There's wait, 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 Matt, 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 the whole argument, no Matt, Matt, the whole argument right now, everybody's saying is that, that gay marriage is now the law of the land. If she doesn't want to obey yep. the law of the land, then she should just quit. Matt, mm-hmm. that's the argument. Yes, and that's what the GOP tells everybody over and over again. It's the law of the land. That's what every pro-family, pro-Christian group in the nation just about says. This is now the law of the land. It's a fiction. Mm-hmm. It's not the law of the land. Yeah. It's a court opinion. Only right. Congress, only legislators, lawmakers can make law. Courts cannot make law. So what we there should... is no federal law that says a man and a man or a woman or a woman can marry. There's none in Kentucky that says a man and a man or a woman and a woman can marry. In fact, every law in Kentucky, or Tim Davis is, and the Constitution of Kentucky itself makes clear that marriage can only be between a man and a woman. She's the one actually upholding the law by her act of interposition standing in defiance of the Supreme Court regarding their immoral court opinion. So in this case, the lawless ones are the government officials kidnapping Kim Davis. Right. The lawless ones are those who are actually suggesting that a, that a law actually exists that forces people to marry a gay couple. And let's push this to the presuppositional level, shall we? I think it's important that we do. Say for a moment that we actually bought in to the very, very sloppy interpretation of Romans 13. <laughs> correct? To submit to the governing authorities. Let's just say that that's blind submission, complete submission, like some people would attempt to, to force Paul to be saying there. Let's take this to the presuppositional level. Let's answer the fool according to their folly, shall we? In this case, Kim Davis has to obey the governing authorities. 
and the governing authorities by mandate, by law, have stated in the state of Kentucky, in the sovereign state of Kentucky, that a marriage is only between one man and one woman. So as somebody that would want to be honoring to God and to glorify God and to obey Romans 13, let's press it again to the presuppositional level. If that's your argumentation, then you should be in the streets protesting against a lawless government that is attempting to subvert the law where the only law right now on the books is male-female right. marriage, and that's what that's what Kim Davis is actually upholding. She is not defying anybody. She's the only one in this case actually upholding the law. So those of you that want to say Romans 13 says blind, complete submission to governing authorities, you should be in Kim Davis's corner because she's trying to be that good Christian that submits to the governing authorities. The governing authorities say the law is male and female. No law has been created. No legislation has been created by the Supreme Court. That is given to the Congress. And let's say that we push it now and say, okay, let's get Congress now to go ahead and create some legislation, make a law about male-male marriage and female-female marriage. In that case biblically she would have the responsibility again as a lesser magistrate under god to say the state of kentucky and the law of god says male and female only i reject your lawless decree absolutely okay glad i got that right good (laughs) i see what you did there okay Well, I'm gonna let Rebecca. Rebecca, you got some something to say? It just—it's amazing to me. Um, as you're looking at social media, all of us are on Facebook. We're all, you know, Twitter, all that. It's amazing to me. Not only not the, just the unbelievers that are out there and what they're saying, because of course we know which way they're going to go, but the professing Christians that are out there right now that are saying, you know, you just give give the people what they want. And it's like, do you understand that you're basically wanting a tyrannical government? Do you not understand history? Do you not understand ethics? Do you not understand Kim, as you just said, is the only one obeying the law? That's right. That's right. It's it's an amazing thing. It's an amazing time we live in. And we can think about uh, the, the amazing uh, c- courage and bravery of the people in the Black Robe Regiment that um, were preaching in their Black Genevan gowns and then taking those off after preaching to pick up a rifle to go and to fight tyranny uh i love their slogan resistance to tyrants is obedience to god um that is our heritage and uh, you know say what you want about the inconsistencies of christians and government at the formation of our nation what you cannot escape from is the fact that our nation was founded as a christian republic there's just no way out of that. That's just that's just that's what we have to deal with. Now we did fall off. We have, of course, gone off the rails. That doesn't change matters of fact. Here's a matter of fact: Jesus is Lord. He's the King. He has all authority. Here's a matter of fact: God's law trumps man's law every single yep. time. And uh, in this case, I think it's important for us as Christians to start thinking biblically, to start thinking about the fact that the Bible gives us a full orb, a full orbed worldview. It talks about delegated roles and responsibilities and spheres of authority. And I'm so glad, Matt, for you, because you're doing what needs to be done, and that's educating Christians on the Word of God. Uh, God has something to say about this. And in this case right here, it's a beautiful moment because it exposes something that slipped in. And that's the idea that when the Supreme Court gave their decision, um, that that somehow created law. It did not. 
And um, I think that this case is exposing that. Um, give me, I'm going I'm to play something from one of the rallies, uh, Matt, but, but give, me, give, me some, give me some hope. Uh, you mentioned some stuff that's going on around the country with some lesser magistrates that might be bigger than Kim Davis. Uh, give us some hope. What, what's going on around the country that gives you a little bit of, of, of hope for the future? Well, there are lesser magistrates, um, low level lesser magistrates. We still don't have a governor. We still don't have an attorney general. We still don't have legislators of, um, we have legislators, but not legislators of a majority yet, um, willing to stand in defiance. So it's come down to probate judges and to county clerks and their refusal to issue marriage licenses to homosexuals. Um, unfortunately, in many of the places, they're following the same tack that Kim Davis has in standing upon religious liberty, which is a flawed um, position to be standing upon. For instance, in Wyoming, Oregon, in Ohio, we have probate judges or county clerks there standing in defiance, but on the same flawed position of religious liberty. But down in Alabama and also in Texas, in Texas there's a county clerk, and in Alabama there's actually 20 probate judges still at this time refusing to issue marriage licenses to homosexuals. Mm-hmm. And I've read the work come office, and they understand and true in the position that their duty in the sight of God as lesser magistrates is to defy the immoral um, higher civil authority at this time mm-hmm. and not allow them to get away with what they're trying to impose upon the nation. Mm-hmm. And the interposition of the lesser magistrate does two things, Jeff. Okay. One, it protects those under the jurisdiction of the lesser magistrate when the higher authority um, makes unjust or immoral laws, policies, or court opinions. Okay. But secondly, it also abates the just judgment of God. And what's going to happen with uh, Kim Davis, or what they're trying to make happen with Kim Davis is, they're trying to make it out so that um, there's a 121st county clerk established. Um, Mm. She's saying, I don't want to be part of this process of issuing marriage licenses personally, um, but can you have someone else do it for me. Mm. Well, we, as Christians, right. we don't ask yeah. other people to be right. involved in sin. Yes, yes. sin, sin for, for me, which yeah. just so we can keep our hands clean. That's right. <laughs> you know, it's, a, it's yeah. an absurdity. Can you do the um, sinning so for me? I truly understand her position as a lesser magistrate, and I don't fault her for that. I know she's surrounded by nefarious politicians, and she's gotten some bad advice from lawyers mm-hmm. and has taken this stand. I think she truly just doesn't want to do it. Um, and uh, so this whole religious liberty stand in the end, it comes down to like these exemption laws. I've been watching this for decades now. Um, some wicked law is made and the Christians hue and cry and say, oh, we can't be involved in that. And then what ends up happening is an exemption is made for Christian ministries or Christian churches or Christian ministers. And everybody's, oh, good, that's wonderful. That's not good. That's not wonderful. That further marginalizes Christians and Christianity from the public square. Mm. So that's a bad thing. That shouldn't mm. be happening mm. at all. That's right. So what they're going to do, what the GOP is doing right now, is they're hoping to shame Steve Bashirs and Andy uh, Jack Conway up there in um, uh, Kentucky. Bashirs is the governor. Conway's the attorney general. They've refused. They've refused to create a 121st county clerk. Okay. Well, let me tell you, if the Republicans take power, because what they're trying to do is make 
you know, Kim Davis to be the poster girl of what happens when religious liberty isn't upheld. Look at she's sitting in jail. They want to use that to unseat these folks. As soon as the Republicans take power, they're going to create the 121st county clerk and legalize homosexual marriage in the state of Kentucky. Mm. That's not how abating the just judgment of God wow. works. That's right. You defy the evil of the higher authority, and you defy it completely, and you stand in interposition to uphold what's right and what's true, divine law, Trump's human laws, and to protect those within your jurisdiction from being harmed or corrupted or tyrannized by the higher civil authority. Every Christian... This is an important thing. Every Christian in our nation needs to hear this. Absolutely. Every Christian in this nation needs to hear this discussion it's vitally important and i think i can say with as much grace and humility as possible the problem here is in the pulpit the problem here yep. is in the pulpit the people of god in this nation don't know this because the pulpit is not delivering it and um it, it really is frustrating but glory be to god psalm 1101 jesus is seating putting all his enemies under his feet it uh, doesn't come without difficulty. It comes with great difficulty in times like this. And I just hope to God that um, there's a fight put up here for uh, truth. And uh, n- nothing is given way um, in this fight. Uh, it's, it's so vitally important for us to stand and to stand firm, to stand as believers on God, on his rock. And, uh, you know, our nation, I think uh, I said this in my sermon on Sunday, our nation really only has dark days ahead if, um, as, if as a church, we don't repent. And if we don't, um, as a church, begin to stand on God's word and to be bold and to be willing to fight. You know, we have all these stories we tell our kids and Awanas and all these little Bible schools and Daniel in the lion's den and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know, defying the governing authorities and Exodus chapter one, we're not going to kill the babies and all, all these examples of the heroes of the faith. And it's amazing. We're not those heroes. Right. Uh, we call them heroes, and one of the things that is, is very important for us to, to, to think about is uh, we love our heroes back there because they're safe back there. We love John the Baptist back in the first century because he's safe there. We love um, the heroes of the American um, War for Independence because they're safe back there. But um, I think that in our current context, we would probably do to those prophets and those people what they did to them then. Mm. Um, and that's, that's something we really need to think about. Um, is this radical? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. And uh, is it, is it uh, narrow-minded? Yes to that too. Should be. Is it exclusive in nature? Yes to that because truth by very nature is exclusive. Truth by very nature is narrow and uh, we should really make no apologies about that. Let me uh, point to something here and just get your commentary, Matt, just briefly. Um, This was from the rally. If uh, you can bring that down for a second, Uh, Bear. Uh, Michael, make sure I say his name right here. Michael Perutka at the Kim Davis rally. I think this is an interesting thing. He's an attorney and uh, I think he said some stuff. I, I'd, I'd like to hear you comment uh, too, Matt. Think about Kim Davis is also giving the entire country a civics lesson. Yeah. Yeah. Because she knows what federal judges either don't know or don't care to recognize. And sh- that, uh, that is that God is the source and the author of law and government. And that any purported law that is not harmonious with his word can't be law and is not law that's right Uh, Matt I think I know what you're going to say to that (laughs) amen (laughs) 
right. Amen. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to phenomenal snow. speech. It's seven minutes long. Everybody should see it. Yeah. I hope you got it up at your website. We have it up at defytyrants.com. Um, thousands upon thousands are watching it. And it's been the turning point for many people that I've talked with that it finally, the bell finally rung. And all these other things we've been talking about all fall into play and make sense at that point also. Yes. Um, it, it's truly, truly was a great speech. I encourage people to take time to listen to it. Yeah, here's some more. And um, there's yep. no doubt she's provided an opportunity by her jailing to instruct uh, the American people about these matters. Yeah. I mean, I'll play some more, and I'm going to actually add one caveat at the end of all of this about... Um, our position on whether or not the state should be issuing marriage certificates in the first place, but let's go ahead and play some more. As our founders pointed out in the Declaration of Independence, there is an almighty God. Our rights, indeed all law, come from him, and the purpose of civil government is to protect our rights, our God-given rights, not to attack them. This is our history. This is our heritage. So please, let's not miss the civics lesson here. Kim Davis is willing to sit in jail to teach this lesson. So please, in the next few minutes, you're going to hear the moral lesson, but let me please give you for a minute a legal argument that you're probably not going to hear, although Mike Huckabee made it very well. Um, here's the lesson. There is no law that requires her to grant a marriage license to people of the same sex. Let me ask, let me ask, as she has asked, where is the law? What legislature voted for it? What executive signed it? What are its terms? What does it say? Where is it written? Indeed, there is no law. Now, if you have an answer to that, you'll hear this answer. You'll say the answer to this question is that you have to refer to the opinion of a court. Well, courts, ladies and gentlemen, have had many opinions. You can tune in tomorrow and the day after, and they will have more and more opinions that probably contradict, frequently contradict the one before. But they are not law. They are, as it says at the top of the page, opinions. They are not law. Courts don't make law. Courts don't make law. If you want to know more about this argument, please refer to this pamphlet that's being handed out. Please refer to this website, theamericanview.com. I'm affiliated with a group called the Institute on the Constitution. We make these arguments. So I think there, there it is. I mean... Show me the law. Show me the law. <laughs> Sounds like Jerry Maguire. Show yeah. me the law. <laughs> I was going to say, the end of that... <laughs> the end of that clip reminds me of the apostle where he's like, nobody moved that book. Nobody moved that book. <laughs> what nobody does he say? He's like, show me the law, release Kim Davis. <laughs> yeah, that's like, right. That's right. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's the point. Um, I mean, this is just straight up lawlessness happening in our nation. And this woman was just abused. Um, Matt, can I, can we talk about this though? Because this does get into, I think a more important area for us. Um, and this might jolt some people. Because we're just so dang used to it. <laughs> um, does, under God's law, the civil magistrate have the duty and responsibility to be awarding marriage certificates? Yeah, I, I've, I've been a minister for 28 years now, and I've never married a single couple, and I've married scores, with a marriage 
license from the state. Okay. Uh, I refuse to do so. I believe it's an overreach by the state. Um, you know, and you have to understand the definition of a license is permission to do that which is otherwise unlawful. We don't intend to do anything unlawful regarding our marriage. We intend to follow exactly what God has declared in his word and his created order regarding marriage. Also, I will not do it because they want me to act as an agent of the state. It's actually the minister who has to sign the marriage license certificate and mail it in to the state. I won't act as an agent of of theirs um, in that regard. And what amazes me now is that even now when two men and two women can get this piece of paper people somehow still think that they need to get it in order for their marriage to be legitimate in the eyes of God. Mm. In fact, I hear from young people all the time who don't want to get a marriage license, who are told by the elders in their church and the people uh, they associate as Christians with, tell them that they're living in sin if they do not marry with a state marriage license. I find that abhorrent. Now, I believe, because at the same time, people then say, oh, you know, are you saying government shouldn't have anything to do with marriage? Absolutely not. I believe that the magistrate has the duty to uphold the law, word, and created order of God That's right. regarding marriage in their laws and in their statutes. That's right. That's right. But I believe that us needing their permission to marry is an overreach by the state. In fact, marriage licenses themselves are pretty new phenomenon within Western civilization. That's right. And particularly also in America. In fact, I'm 55 years old now. I remember when I was younger meeting older people regularly. They never had a marriage license. People recorded their marriage in their family Bibles. Before they were married, they publicly announced that they were going to be be married. With witnesses? they recorded in their family Bibles. And that was all that was done. There was no license. In fact, if you look at the Browning versus Browning case, which is probably the last court federal court case dealing with marriage prior to all this homosexual marriage stuff. Browning versus Browning made clear that a license is not needed for a marriage to exist. Um, so, yeah, I've been opposed to marriage licensure um, for a long time now. So what we'd say is that according to God's defined role for the civil magistrate, what are they supposed to do? Well, Romans 13 says that they wield the sword of justice, so they're supposed to punish evildoers, right? Not the righteous. Yeah. So their job is to execute justice. We want to say that God's, God's command for his servant would be to execute justice in accordance with his word and his law. Um, but, but so their role and responsibility as the government is to punish evildoers, wield the sword of justice, and to really enforce contracts. So a, a marriage is a contract. It's a binding contract between two people. And so the state can get involved in a breaking of a contract and bringing to bear God's statutes um, and civil penalties when that contract is broken. So that would be a defined biblical role for the state is to actually execute justice in terms of a violation of marriage. Um, when the con- when yeah. that agreement is made, but what we are saying is, is at the yeah. outset, at the start of marriage, there is no biblical uh, argument for the state being involved in giving the decree of marriage. the The ultimate That's forensic, exactly the right. forensic declaration: you are now married because the state says you're married. Uh, that role and responsibility yeah. isn't, isn't delegated to them by the Word of God. That's correct. 
But we you have... know what's amazing about all this, Jeff, is yeah. that as um, when you look at God's law and biblical Christianity um, and the, um, the three institutional governments that he's established in the earth, family, church, and civil government, each has its own role, function, and jurisdiction. And when you follow this, you automatically end up with limited government. It's as men rebel against God and move away from him and live in rebellion to him that we see the laws and edicts and invasion by the state into our private lives, into our family lives, take place. Um, I always tell, you know, the wicked when I'm out at the campus, I love going to universities, talking with young people, spend hours. I always tell people, you need to go there. These young people need to hear the truth. I often have the most hostile ones, you know, mocking us. They'll stand there for three hours and at the end shake our hand. Right. Mm. This was the best defense of Christianity I've ever heard of in my life. Wow. Uh, we need to be willing to do that. And I always point out to them, I said, I say this, don't you see the behemoth you've created? Just mm. go down to the federal courthouse and look at all the law, how many bookshelves it takes to fill their laws. Mm. And then look at how many shelves it took <laughs> to fill the laws of England. 500 years ago and you'll see that there's a distinct difference between yes. the two mm, that's when right people understand how important it is to be governed by god in that's their right. personal lives that's right and when and to follow the mandate of scripture not that it was perfect because man's involved in it we all know that but there's less government involvement in people's lives less civil government involvement in people's lives when um biblical law and true christianity is followed within a nation rather than where everybody's living like a licentious dog, like yes. we have today. Um, there's the famous saying, if men will not be governed by God, they'll be ruled by tyrants. Yep. And we're seeing that yes. in our nation today. Yeah. Yes, yes. So, so the argument we are making, Matt, just I, make, I, make, make sure we put this on record, the argument that we are making is not that law will save our nation, we are saying that it is the Lord Jesus Christ, who is God in the flesh, who died for sins and rose again, who for, through faith in him, we receive forgiveness, eternal life and salvation. And as redeemed people, we now have the law of God written within us. Now, as redeemed people, we should love the law of God. We should point to it as the standard. And we should always herald the goodness of God's law over the laws of men. Um, we are not saying the law saves and bring salvation to people. Right. But we are saying the law of God does reflect the holy and good character of God, and that the law of God actually reflects his own standards. And so that is always relevant in any era. Um, the law of God, he doesn't change. And so his standards don't change. Of course, there are laws in the Old Testament that pointed to Christ. There were seed laws. There were dietary restrictions. There were holiness code. Those things are done now because those are fulfilled in Jesus. They, they, they had their time and what they were pointing to was done. But we can't say as Christians now in the 21st century in America, God is no longer concerned with victims and with justice and with law that he's perfectly fine with lawlessness. Um, no, it's quite the opposite. Since Jesus is king, um, his rule counts. And in Revelation chapter 1, it says that Jesus is the ruler today of the kings of the earth. Amen. Thank yeah, you. In fact, in my book, <laughs> I have an appendix entitled, The Laws of a Nation Should Mirror the Law and Justice of God. And what I do is I take to task this whole pietistic idea. You know, if you're, you want to be involved in being the preborn defendant or, you know, come against, you know, homosexual marriage or 
see good laws established within the nation, they always mock it immediately as mere moralizing. Mm. And then they say, we should just preach the gospel. Well, the whole idea of just preaching the gospel is a fraud on its face anyways, because nobody just preaches the gospel. Mm. I mean, you go to the bathroom, <laughs> you brush your teeth, right. you spend mm. time with your wife, uh, do you take your kids for a walk? Nobody just preaches the gospel. That, and did you ever notice when they bring this up, Jeff, about we should just preach the gospel? When the latest potluck dinners announced, nobody jumps up and says, "Hey, we should just preach the gospel." <laughs> when the church softball teams yeah. being organized, yeah. nobody jumps up and says, "Hey, we should just preach the gospel." Uh, it's only when civil government matters. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's a, yeah. Everybody jumps up and says, "We that's should just point. preach the gospel." Right. And it's designed to neutralize the Christian, to put a wet blanket over them, yeah. and to get them not to be involved in those areas and live in the little pietistic fairyland that much of American Christianity has made Christian Christianity into. Yeah, and I think it's important. So this to, is an important. Go ahead. So this is this is an important aspect that um, I point out is that even the laws of a nation are important. Um, and you and and good, even to the salvation of men's souls. Like you said, not that the law saves; only Christ does that. But the law shows men their sin. That's right. And so, if the laws of the nation are contrary to the law of God, it's easier for men to justify their sin mm-hmm. rather than see their guilt and hence their need for Christ. Boom. That's right. It's an important matter that people need to understand. That's right. And I think it's important also for us to contextualize the fact that the gospel that we so readily talk about, the gospel is called, in Scripture, the gospel of the kingdom, the good news mm-hmm. of the kingdom. Now, that, that contains, that, some, that has some content to it. That means that Jesus has authority. That means that Jesus, Jesus is ruling, that Jesus is reigning, that when he says he has all authority in heaven and on earth, that means something. It's not just something Christians say. It actually is content that has meaning that should have legs on it and walk in the world. And so when we talk about our role as Christians in this nation, you're right, Matt. If we don't talk about God's standards, we have nothing really to call people to repentance mm. for. And so we said, just preach, the, just, just preach the gospel. Well, what does that mean? I don't even know what, what that means. What am I telling people? <laughs> right. What am I saying to people? Am I saying like a Joel Osteen kind right. of message? Like Jesus really just loves you. He's a friend yeah. of yours. And uh, he just wants to make your life better. Or am I telling the message of a holy God that we've offended, that you need to repent of sin and turn to Christ in faith? And how do I do that? Well, I better start talking about the law of God and the standards of God that they violated. And uh, I, th- I, think, yeah. I think that if we're in this context... And we're actually talking to every realm about God's standards, then we have a better opportunity to preach the gospel because we're the ones that are actually calling people to repent of their violation of God's standards. So the Christians who are now, the Christians who are indifferent in this area, the Christians who are checking out of culture in this area, are the ones who are impotent and have no gospel to proclaim in this area. That's correct. And I, I know when I was a young minister, first got involved in taking action on behalf of the pre-born, um, I had many older ministers tell me, oh, you shouldn't do that. Mm. That's political. And wow. you can only do one or the other, either be a true minister of the gospel or get involved in political affairs. <laughs> and I found that to be a total lie. Yeah. 
you know, as I went out and spoke up for my pre-born neighbor outside the death camps. And, you know, I interposed at the doors of abortion clinics. I did over a year in jail. Wow. Um, so oh, wow. Interposing non-violently between the abortionist and the baby he wanted to kill. One year in jail. Wow. And, um, yeah, and then was put in jail for that, exactly. Wow. Um, and what I found is I had more opportunities than ever. Yeah. To talk to people about Jesus. Yes, <laughs> yes, know, yes, yes. Being obedient to him in every area of life. That's right. Or at least in this area of life also. Man, I like you a lot, Matt. Yeah, he's my new hero, I think. Yeah, <laughs> I, li- I like you a lot, Matt. I really do. Um, well, this is the beginning of a new relationship, Matt. I can't wait till we're able to talk again and do even more. Uh, this has been just a fantastic and I believe very, very helpful episode. I can't wait uh, for people to see it um, and to just listen to it again and again and get out your Bible, take notes, think about the arguments, and uh, hopefully hopefully, be challenged. Um, man, exciting stuff. God's doing big stuff. Yeah. He is doing some big things. Yeah, man. for sure. Well, yeah. We weren't having these discussions no. 10 years ago. Yeah. This is awesome. Not even a year amazing. ago. And if I can just jump in, and I don't think it's said enough. Okay. Let you do the yeah, last part here. Yeah. No, I just think that the men need to be told to rise up. Mm-hmm. You know, men be men, be godly troublemakers. You have permission. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that. You got the, That's you got the lady, lady knows permission. <laughs> Matt, you're the man. Uh, your <laughs> website is um, defytyrants.com. Yes. Okay. Yep. All right, Matt, you're a blessing. Can't wait to connect with you more in the future. That has been Luke the Bear. Peace out, um, y'all. No, oh. you guys are a blessing to me. So encouraging to oh. hear a group of people like yourself understand these important matters and want to get these thoughts out to people. Um, it's it's a great blessing to my heart. So Praise thank God. You so much. Thank you, brother. Thank that. you very Thanks, much man. for that blessing. All right. Did you know hey, this whole time has been pretty neat? Luke has been live mixing all the been. background music, so it's mm-hmm. pretty sweet. Yeah. That's the lady. Yep. In the background, we got yep. our cameramen and operators. We've got Randy. We've got the homeschool woodpecking team over there. We got the Pittman over there doing what he does. The ginger with, of gingers. With the shaky cam, King Ginger. Um, this has been great. I can't wait for you guys to hear this and for us to get this episode across the world. ApologiaRadio.com is where you get us. We'll see you next time.